welcome everybody. Today we're it's four nine. That's April 9th for everybody who can't understand that. And welcome to episode three of Hot Take from the Kitchen. I'm Brad and Steve. And tonight we're going to talk to Zach Irving from Micro, Micro Adventures and a filmmaker. And before we do that, we're going to do some spring cleaning. And that was in air quotes because it's spring, but it's more like winter out. And we just want to let everybody know we have an email address. You can send ideas and suggestions, your thoughts, too. The email is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. That is H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search Hot Take From The Kitchen. And like we, I said, we'd love to hear your suggestions and feedback, so get at us. I love how thorough you are. That is why I had you do that, yeah. because I would have blown through it like I did it last week and screwed it up, and that's why you did it. Stay accountable. You did a much better job, and we'll make sure you do that every time from here on out. Sure. Well, why don't you just pre-record it one time? All right, so we got to talk about what beer we had. <laughs> we didn't do it last week, so we so, did it this week. Eric and I were drinking M43, which by far was like the best beer I found last year in a can. And, in a can. Uh, yes. In a can, yes, in a can. Uh, what did you drink? Oh, last week I had Uncle Steve's Irish Stout from Shorts Brewing Company. And tonight? Tonight I have Zangief's Bear Hug from Shorts. It's a Russian style, Imperial Stout. It's a darker beer, so it's not for everybody. I'm a dark beer drinker. But I like the label because it's a big Russian guy with chest hair that looks like a mustache. And it was kind of weird, but hey. Yeah, I like it. Um drinking KBS because, like I said, I didn't have time to go to the store. So I just grabbed what was in my fridge really quick. And, Zach, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, an Azeka IPA from Founders. It's very good. Nice, smooth. Uh Good percentage too as well. I've had that before. It's real good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I know you have two main things you do. One is uh, we'll spend a little more time on it, which is uh, Michigan Micro Ventures. But then you also have a uh, Northeast Michigan basement tapes. Yes. Which is kind of what you were explaining earlier. It's more like a hub. Yeah. It's like a hub, uh, online hub through different uh, parts. We got Facebook. Uh, we have the website, michiganbasementtapes.com, and then we have our YouTube channel, which we're starting to do more with that, and then our Instagram as well. And we basically kind of like highlight musicians from the local area or passing through the local area, and it all started out as a podcast, uh, and it's on uh, the podcast app. You can find us there, but basically I started out just uh, – I have a bar down in my basement and I had friends over and we would always kind of jam and whoever was there would uh, fill in and we'd play whatever we wanted to. And there were some really talented people down there. And I was just like, you know, we should be recording this. We should be like getting you guys out there because I learned uh, more on the film side when I went to school down in Chicago. Um, but I wanted to kind of learn more about, I think it's me. I wanted to kind of learn more about um, about the sound side because sound is like almost 80% of film. I mean, you can have a bad picture but and amazing sound and people will be okay with it. But Blair if you Witch have Project. horrible, yeah, the Blair Witch Project, you can look at that. You can find, get find found footage, but if the found footage has the found sound in it, <laughs> people would just throw that in the trash right. and there's uh there's a lot that goes into uh sound recording and even in the post-production of it too as well so this was kind of uh just a project that i started to stretch my talents and kind of grow in that area and learn more about that and then also kind of promote uh people that are in my life too as well that i i see that are talented and uh it's been growing and we do this uh this music video <laughs> um 
this music video type esque thing on YouTube where it's kind of like Tiny Desk, like NPR's Tiny Desk. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we focus on one group or one act and we let them play uh, four songs and me and a film crew films them. And it's called the basement sessions. Mm -hmm. And we just actually came out and released um, today uh, Charles Madison, he was playing at the Thunder Bay Theater for the first coffee house sessions. And that actually went really well. That was over at Thunder Bay Theater. And uh, they had a great attendance there, like over 50 people. And they did that the whole year or the whole month of February this year. And um, it was kind of like a testing ground, I heard. But I feel like they're going to be doing a lot more kind of music in that area when they're not doing plays, which is good for Alpina. So that video, I just watched it before it came over. You told me yes. 7 o'clock it was going live. I was impressed because that shot where he came in from above mm -hmm. and followed through, that was amazing. Yeah, that was – as I was like at home uh, – just kind of concepting about the whole show. I heard Charles was doing this and I was like, I know exactly what shot I want to do. And I called up Nick Steffen from Ariel Alpina and he's got the drone that I needed to get this shot. And we teamed up together and actually, uh, so he was operating the drone and then there's a part in the shot where the drone comes down to Charles height. And I actually caught it. He turned off the drone, the camera was still rolling, and then I just carried the drone and followed him in there. So it was all in one clean shot, and that was like my claim to my Boogie Nights yeah. uh, opening shot, one of my favorites. <laughs> yes. Um, so you said that you spent some time in Chicago? Yes. So tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, Chicago uh, was amazing. I... I when I graduated high school, I knew that I didn't want to go to any just regular school. I didn't want to learn uh, the basics. I wanted to learn what I wanted to learn. And like I got through high school and I was done with that and I was going to learn what I wanted to learn. So I uh, looked at a few schools and um, one of the close ones was down in Chicago. It's called the Tribeca Flashpoint Media Arts Academy and it's a two year program. And it's right in the heart of Chicago, right next to, I think, uh, Daily Plaza. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they had a nice soundstage at CBS Studios. We got to walk and go into CBS Studios and work there. And I started cinematography there. And it was really, really fun. It was a culture shock to me. I went from just being in, like, Michigan. And I don't think he, I even left until I was, like, 18. I went on a field trip over to um Colorado to go skiing but Chicago it was like this huge culture shock I was by myself I knew no one there I didn't have family there and I just had to learn to live and learn own. to thrive yeah so fend for myself and it was fun and I learned a lot about myself and when I got out of school um I I had a lot uh to think about and I had uh, a fun time, but I couldn't find a job right off the bat and I didn't have enough money to live there because student loans were kicking up. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to move back home and start working here. And, uh, through the time I was kind of, it's, it's, it was hard because here we didn't even have a broadcast like class at LP high school or anything at ACC. So I didn't really even know anybody that made films at the time. And, um, I just started, I got in the mode where, you know, I just got to do it and I just started doing it and started coming out with whatever I could think of. And then that started attracting other people that maybe didn't even know that that was uh, an option uh, of what you could do, what you could create. And then I got into this mode where I started just creating videos all the time and I was working on some grant projects as well. And it kind of elevated from there. Yeah, you do it and you get better. Yes. You know, I'm. I don't like. It's a bad example, but my very first Facebook Live videos for the dealership are just absolutely horrendous. Mm -hmm. I, mean, um, I still do it now. I have this um, bad habit of when I get excited, 
I talk really, really fast and blah, 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 blah. So a mm -hmm. lot of times when there's something that I want to get out that is really cool about this car, I'll just rush through it so I can say, oh, and man, just I'm just so it. like, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm like, I'll look down, and I'll look down, it'll be like 29 seconds. And I'll be like, <laughs> what did you just do? And um, so, but You, you just know, said all of the symptoms that you get. <laughs> yeah. You're like the guy at the end yeah. of the commercial for prescription drugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, and like I said, I know I do it now still, but. I try to always make myself aware of it. And mm -hmm. I'm sure even as we're listening to this, probably hopefully 20 podcasts from now, we'll probably laugh at each other and go, man, we were a bunch of idiots. Because <laughs> you just get better. You, oh, definitely, you know? definitely. And it, it's and, cool to see, too, and to, like, look back on that stuff and see your growth. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know a lot more, and you're like, oh, I could have done that. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit different. Even, like, your style. Like, you might be really heavy into shadows, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're really into big, bright things. Or, you, mm -hmm. you know, I know I right now, like, with photography, I'm into really crisp things. I like things really crisp. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before, for a while there, I was really into hues, and now it's just kind of crazy how you uh -huh. do those different phases. How you evolve through that as well. I see that a lot in uh, the stuff that I've been filming and just looking back on from when I started, I started out filming in high school and it moves with technology and it also moves with what you limit yourself to. Uh, I see um, th these guys, old guys saying like, yeah, we didn't have what you guys, the technology that you guys had to make these movies. And now you guys are so lucky to have that technology. Yes, we are lucky, but they actually had this uh, kind of buffer of what they th they thought they could do. And then they had they when they came to like a a halt, and they were like, "How do I get this shot?" It made them actually become more creative and come up with different ways that they could get a shot with the kind of equipment that they had. That's why, like old Star Wars movies, mm -hmm. the first three. And then we'll get to some things later on. But I think that's what makes filmmaking cool as it has, a, you know, and I think that's why the first three Star Wars stunk or not stunk, but why a lot of people didn't like them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why people like Seven so much is because um, they try to create that feel of the first original three movies yeah. with today's technology. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They use today's technology the way it should be used to enhance an experience, not to be the experience. Right. And a lot of, I see a lot of films coming out today and that use CGI kind of to be that experience. And it just takes me out of the story. You yeah. know, if you're going to use CGI, then make the whole film CGI maybe. And maybe make it animated. <laughs> Have you seen Ready Player One yet? I did. I did, did see. Like it? I I saw it and I liked it. I love the nostalgia uh -huh. and all of the uh, references to games. I love. I have a lot of friends that are gaming gaming nerds, but I thought they did a good uh, gap for like the age gaps of what nostalgic things and also for younger generations, but. It could have been an animated movie. Well, that's what I was, that's why when you just said, I would think it would be very heavy CGI. I mean, mm -hmm. everything I've seen about it. It, it is um, completely in the story follows a young guy in the future that goes into virtual reality to escape his own reality, and they have to play a game to win the game and um, and win the actual whole reality center he could actually win it but um it, whenever he's in the virtual reality it is all cgi completely and so it's it's really probably them all wearing dots and running and green screen mm -hmm. so then <laughs> then you have to give credit to the cgiers i mean it's a it's a hard hard job being a cgi and working with after effects and, and even bigger programs than that um, modeling these and just sitting there the half of these guys are probably doing 20 seconds and each of them gets 20 seconds and they all have to get oh, and build it it's an art it is yeah it is. but but it takes when you see it and with uh like live people like organic matter um in the screen as well it if they use it to enhance things, like if you look at David Fincher's movies and like uh, Mindhunter that uh, came out on Netflix, um, they if you look at EFX uh, classes on that, 
that he uses the FX to enhance the area around it. So he'll put in trees in the background. He'll put in like different shrubberies and stuff. He wants it to look uh, how like a painting, like how he wants the background to look like. And he uses CGI to enhance what he, he's showing and to give him that look, but he doesn't use it to be an experience. It's not a CGI experience. Yep. All right. So Michigan Micro Adventures is kind of your baby. Yes. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about it? And then uh, I got some questions for you about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Michigan Micro Adventures is a 10 minute uh, episodic show that my father and brother host and they take you on guided tours around Michigan. And each episode highlights a different area and adventure that you can do in that area. And they actually show you from start to finish what you need, um, what you'll see, and what amenities you can go to after in that area as well. Tricks of the trade. Yeah, tricks of the trade too. Um, Little things that you should know, like uh, going out in Lake Huron, you should probably go if you're in a paddle, like on a paddleboard, a can, ca- canoe or a kayak, you should be paddling in the morning because that's, or the dusk, because that's when it's less I like <laughs> rough. The, I like the pump. Yeah, yeah. My dad uses a bilge pump. He actually shows you how to use it for <laughs> yeah. some people that are like putting it in the lake and <laughs> just pumping the water back into their boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this working? Yeah. <laughs> but, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, I we started out uh, with it as just kind of my dad saying, "Hey, let's go film something." And we started doing these adventures like when I was a kid. My dad used to work at Summit Sports, and he was super big into outdoors and always going out. He was like my Boy Scout and uh, master headmaster, and. Uh, he was always just in getting us out and enjoying like the outdoors and enjoying life outside in this great place that we live in. And so it was just like a no brainer that like, why not film one of these? So we filmed one and we submitted it into the 2016 uh, fresh takes contest through the Alpina CVB. And we got an honorable mention and some other things. And a lot of people were like, you know, you could really go uh, with this. if You you could really develop this into something. And so uh, with the help of my my mentor, uh, Mary Ellen Jones, and uh, I approached Mary Beth Stutzman from the Alpina CVB and asked her if she would be interested or they would be interested in helping being a fiduciary for me to uh, apply for a grant to create this series for them and us. And um, we got four grand to create four episodes, um, Paddle, Albany Bay Shipwreck, uh, Bike, the Rockport uh, Recreation Area, uh, bike from North, the Northeastern State Rail Trail from Alpena to Sheboygan, and hike uh, Mystery Valley and the Twin Sinkholes. And we filmed those last summer in 2017 and released the first episode at the NOAA uh, Film Fest, International Film Fest, in, 2000, in January of 2018. And now we are doing screenings and working on volume two and uh, trying to find like a home for the show. Yeah, I out of the four things I've done, three of them, and the one I didn't do is the one I've always wanted to go to. I actually really wanted to take my drone and fly over those sinkholes. Yeah, which I don't think you can do because it's probably right on the cusp. It's of like the, on the cusp. Yeah. So yeah, Nick was close by. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the one that's got the license. So yeah, he works. can be within three, three miles. miles. Yeah. So um, the Rockport one I laughed because the one time I biked at Rockport, it was in the fall and it was raining. Uh-huh. And we went to that sinkhole you guys went visited, and it was a terrible trek. It was autumn, so all the leaves are on the trail, uh-huh. and it was wet, so the tires were slipping, oh. and I was constantly slipping, and it was the most miserable experience ever. And it was pouring. Oh man! But what was cool is once we finally got there, it was just like just pouring on that sinkhole. Really, it was the coolest thing. Like it was almost like there was a fog coming off the sinkhole because mm-hmm. the water was bouncing like, up. So it was, yeah, it was. Um, that was worth the trip, although I know the misery was 
yeah yeah the first time going out there is always the hardest because you never know like how far they are and sometimes they have some turns and it's like is it just right over here yeah. and you, it's in the middle of the woods so mm -hmm. you're like looking for a big hole in the middle of the woods and the woods are thick over there too um it's it's fun that whole trail system is fun you can go actually from the parking lot in uh rockport and you can go all the way up to bell bay yeah and there's actually a, a rail trail that goes up there and you can follow that and everything i've i've done it a couple times one time i got ticks like <laughs> i had probably 12 ticks when i was done that i picked off myself <laughs> my wife and i um volunteered for the rockport um triathlon yeah and we were an aid station in the middle of that rail trail mm -hmm. so um I know exactly what you meant. We were right about halfway in between the Bell Bay and then Rockport. So, oh, so, definitely. Yeah. yeah, there's some cool beaches out there, too. So where else are you going to be going? Like, do you have any goals to visit with the uh, series? Places? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one of the places we did in the winter, um, it's already shot. And I, it is a cross country skiing one. And so it's probably one of the most famous places. So here's a little hint. <laughs> one of the most famous places to go cross country skiing in Alpena to all the, the cross country skiers, the big group of those people. And, um, there, I, I want to do the shipwreck at Bell Bay mm -hmm. and I want to highlight, uh, the hiking that they have there mm -hmm. and that beach. And I would love to do like paddle boarding out there and do snorkeling there yeah. and have them like show the shipwreck and just highlight all of that Bell Bay. A paddle boarding one would be cool. Even the kayak one. So yeah. Would be cool. Yeah. Cause they could take all their snorkeling gear on the paddle boards and go right from the beach. Right. And it's it's a really simple and easy adventure and that you can do, I mean, you could just do the snorkeling in an hour. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to hike and you had more time, you could do all, all of that other stuff that's there. It's, if, if you have the time to do it and you have the right idea, you can have a full day of fun out there. And, oh, easy. Yeah. Um, where else outside of the Alpina area are you looking? Alpina? Um, Outside of Alpina, there are a lot of places. Uh, in the far future, I want to move my way up and go up to the UP yeah. because adventures seem like to be endless over there. Um, in the near future, I would love to do Rifle River. And that's a that's an amazing area mm -hmm. and the campground there. There's some really cool hiking and some amazing uh, just kind of this the the landscape there. They have these huge ridges and they got like this one ridge that goes in between two lakes and it's, you can look over both lakes and everything. It's it's a really, really cool spot. And then um, there is. Uh, I want to go up to the Porcupine Mountains. Marquette's an amazing place up in the UP. Um, over in Lewiston, there's some cool, cool little spots. I think that I forgot what the lake was. I like um, Akiak. Akiak is that's might be on the next <laughs> volume actually. <laughs> that would be on the next volume. Most of the ones that are in the next volume are going to be the northeastern side. So it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be like Akiak, Bell Bay, and um, Negwagan. Yep. I went out to Negwagan with my wife, um, St. Patrick's Day. We, it was a full moon, or yeah, it was a new moon. Mm -hmm. We've never been back there before. It took the three-mile or two-and-a-half-mile trek back in the woods because I just wanted to shoot stars because it's by far one of the best dark sky preserves. Oh, yeah. Area. And I, was, I loved it, but I didn't know where I was Oh, I was going. What I was doing, and by the time I finally got to the park entrance, Alice was like, "Give me the hell out of here!" And um, so I just snapped like four photos, and that was it. And so, then you were gone. And we were going <laughs> back to civilization. So oh my I definitely gosh. want to go there in the summer. Um, I know in June you start getting the Milky Ways up on the, mm -hmm. on the horizon. So mm -hmm. I think that's probably hopefully where I'm going to head off. Yeah, that would be a good a good spot to do it. The the camping there is phenomenal. Um, their campsites are like they had wood stacked up at one of the campsites that I went by and they're all like your own private 
beach, like the first one at least, is your first private beach, like on the lake and everything, and it's right off there. But um, there's also a Native American uh, wall there, apparently, like a built wall that they found. And um, there's a couple um, hypotheses about what what they used it for, but they were thinking that it was for fishing. And like when the lake used to come up, and then go back down. They trap the fish oh, against okay. this wall, and then they catch the fish. But I mean, that was back when sturgeon were like crazy and stuff. Right, you could get anything. But yeah, Nagugan is—it's super hard to get back there. Uh, if if you go from Osnik side, mm -hmm. and then it's a—it's just a, a short jog. If you go from uh, Black River side, mm -hmm. there's another entrance in Black River side, and that's like a little short jog. And then um, it's really weird because the most of the like the road is all sandy, and you feel like you're going nowhere the whole time. And then you hit the entrance, and it's gravel road, and it's like super nice and upkept and yeah. stuff. And you come in, it's like really nice. All I can think of is somebody trying to drive a camper back through there. Thompson Park up by between Roger City. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, that's the only dark sky preserve in our area I have visited. And really? It's my goal for my. We have a full, you know, full or new moon coming up here. I think it's like the fifteenth or the sixteenth soon. Okay. So that's I'm trying to do every new moon. If God willing, I have clear sky. That would be cool to do one. So I have two of the three. So it's my next one. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And that would be really cool. Thompson Harbor is a really cool spot too. I usually go to the Grand Lake Outlet. It's at the uh, the south end of Thompson Harbor. Okay. And you can connect to the trail right there. And Thompson Harbor used to be actually a town. And there, there's actually like remnants of building spots and stuff where they used to be. And then there's um, a shipwreck that you could swim out to. That's uh, right at the beach, Thompson Harbor. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll try to do that during the day then. Get out there early and mm -hmm. kind of check the whole thing out, and then yeah, just go for a hike and just explore. Yeah. Um, a lot of the places that we go to, I've been to at least two or three times and explored it before we actually film. Which I think scouting is important. As mm -hmm. a, yeah. yeah, it's good to know what you're going to be running into. I just scouted more of our secret shot time lapse thing that yeah. I wanted to do together. Um, I actually thought of something that I, I didn't realize is that there's the different angle we could use, which opens up a whole different set of options for us. So. I didn't even think about it. Mm -hmm. We won't give it away yet, so okay. I won't. No, we have up our sleeves. So. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. What you so, thinking? <laughs> um, on that, we'll end here, and then we'll do one the next segment. Oh, oh yeah. Where can you watch these micro Oh, good. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The mice. Your other stuff too. Yeah, um, the the basement tape stuff you can find on our website, MichiganBasementTapes.com. Uh, and uh, you also can find our uh, YouTube channel, the Northeast Michigan Basement Tapes. And then uh, the Micro Adventures, uh, you can find the first episode on our website in the Adventures page. And it was released through this Alpina CVB's uh, Facebook page as well. And a lot of our like information on the Micro Adventures comes... Uh, onto our Facebook and we post that up on our Facebook. We're coming out with an Instagram soon and we're going to be doing a lot more with that. I'm in the midst of transitioning from working full-time as a barista to doing more full-time as uh, this kind of work and um, doing some part-time work as well on the side. But um, I'm getting more free time to do this stuff so I, I really want to build our uh, our YouTube channel I'm thinking and we're gonna be doing some behind the scenes uh, on the YouTube channel as well and then we're thinking about doing releasing like a four-minute episode series on the YouTube channel called the macro adventures and we actually do um, macro like diaries about these uh, different plants and animals that are native to Michigan that's cool yeah it would be fun but the animals would be hard yeah. I'm amazed at how much of a commitment it takes to market something nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, whether um, just like what we've tinkered around with this, just to try to get the word out to you know, bigger things. Like oh, that. definitely. It's crazy. It, it really is a job. 
it really is just a job. It is. It is. It is a job just being a social media coordinator. Basically, that's what you are. And it's you just going at it like 24-7. You ha- really have to find like a science to it as well. There's some some really good guys out there that kind of do little podcasts about actually just even marketing your own stuff online. You have to do it. If you don't do it, if you just you can't do one of those things where you post it once and leave it, and mm-hmm. hope you come back for two weeks. It mm-hmm. just doesn't work that way. Yeah, unfortunately. So and then also like sponsoring too, yeah. and uh, figuring out what's the best uh, for you. You don't want to just like spend all of your money right away because you not necessarily will get that projected uh, interest in in that, yeah. and so you just kind of have to know how to sporadic. And what I do is I actually sponsor uh, my stuff for uh, four days uh, with like five dollars, like a dollar twenty-five a day, and it kind of um, I see the most response out of that. Right. So Zach, what do you think? Call our five that's live. We take our top five. And we pick a subject. You being a movie guy this week, yes. we thought we would choose. And I purposely asked the question the way I did to both of you. And I know it stressed Brad out. <laughs> I, I struggled so hard. Your top five movies of all time. I just left it empty. It stressed me out too. So, Brad, number five. I had so many lists. But right now I'm going to write another one. But I have most of my movies down. Number five will be Beauty and the Beast, the animated version from Disney. Sound pick. I yes. love the movie. It's actually a great story. I love it. I'm sentimental and a lover. And I think it's Disney's first time to use CGI in a movie. It might have been, yeah. That ballroom scene? That, yeah. I believe yeah. so. So, so yeah. yeah. It was it was a pretty cool film. Um, the music in it too. I forgot who was the the main singer for that. Oh no, that was Lang. It was not. Oh, was that? I'm trying to. But they had a big soundtrack. Yeah. The way. Yeah, and they did they did a really good job with it. I felt like the live action version was just the same thing. Which is like, actually amazing. I think it, it was what they were going for was a shot for shot. Yeah, it just kind of hurt me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like you spent so much money for a shot for shot. Yeah, <laughs> give me something new, but it was more impressive that they were able to recreate a cartoon in the real world. So, yeah, that is yeah. that is true. Number five, Zach. Number five, mine is a little shop of horrors. It is one of my favorite musicals. Um, I love that they, in this musical, you could tell it's in a set, but they did such a good job at making that set. Mm -hmm. It was like watching a play, except you weren't in the audience. You were in the play almost. Mm -hmm. And Steve Martin's the comedy, uh, Bill Murray in that. And, um, and, uh, and even the music in that, uh, suddenly Seymour, one of my favorite songs <laughs> and favorite, uh, just scenes. It, it was just perfect in the cinematography that they do with it and, uh, and everything, just like the mouth effect where, uh, Steve Martin was looking into Bill Murray's mouth <laughs> and everything. It was just such a cool, uh, idea that they brought out of. Uh, the original Little Shop of Horrors, and I, I remember seeing the Jack Nicholson version. I got like a one of those little skinny DVDs that you could get that mm-hmm. were like those these old films and stuff. <laughs> and uh, I watched that, and I was like, "What is this? <laughs> like, this is not Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> it's definitely a, a cult classic." Uh, yes, and um, I noticed that yeah, kind of that theme with mm-hmm. your list. I think you were the only one between the three of us at a musical. Did you have a musical? I guess Beauty and the Beast were yeah, kind of yeah, I, so I did not change. I did yeah. not have a musical in mind, which, mm. I mean, I'm not losing sleep over it. So my fifth movie for me is going to be Spirited Away, which I told you both a little bit about. It's an animated movie, or animated movie um, out of Japan, and it is crazy. And I would talk about it, but 
people would be like, what are you even talking about? It's in <laughs> subtitles and it's crazy. It, it's a girl who's a slave and the universe keeps changing on her, the world she lives in, and she's a slave, just monsters. And if anything that I go into more than that, would it just... Does she, the universe changes, but is she always a slave? Yes, she's always a slave okay. to monsters. And interesting. she's like a maid. So she's always cleaning up after them and doing all this stuff. And okay. She's trying to find hope in her world. And you have to keep in mind that her world changes constantly. So she always has to find a different way to find hope in it. Uh-huh. It is kind of crazy. And That's... it is surreal. And I don't know. It's just a crazy movie. That is crazy. Yeah. If that... you have a chance. And I remember it, when I first came out, it was, um, I was at Family Video. And I remember... I would tell people, like, hey, you got anything weird? And I would tell people to take it out there. Like, you know, some people were like, that's amazing. And other people were like, uh-huh. no. But it's really crazy. And it, it's not for everyone. Okay. So that's cool. Number four. Number four is LA Confidential. Ooh. Uh, it's just, it's an amazing story. You know, cops doing these crazy things and blaming other people got race issues and it's just I liked it I love the acting and got Kim Basinger a uh, Oscar so it sort of made Russell Crowe a star it was one of his bigger movies to start with when I did some background checking for this because I didn't want to really totally be off my rocker Ellie Confidential was in almost every top 10 that I looked at it was a very very popular movie especially amongst the Reddit world they were like, yes, like really? confidential. So uh, I can't fault you for that one. Number four, Zach? Number four for me. Number four for me, that would be Rocky. The Rocky, is, I think everyone knows that story. Um, about a... <laughs> Sylvester Stallone typish character. It was written by Sel- Sylvester Stallone, and wasn't it directed by him too as well? So, yeah. yeah, there's a whole story. I love the whole story behind it. Basically, uh, it's just an underdog story about a boxer um, that used to be, I think he used to would be a bouncer for like some kind of mafia or whatever yeah. in Boston. And was it Boston? Philly. Philly. Yeah, it was in Philly. And, uh, yeah, he went above the odds, and he stayed in all 12 rounds with Apollo Creed, which was, like, the biggest boxer of all time. And I love the whole story. I love that it's one of those uh, stories that has a start and finish and the climax, and it's all all well-constructed, like a well-constructed orchestra. And... um, you could definitely tell that Stallone put all his heart into this when you rewatch it. And it, it, there's, there's no doubt that this movie would have as many sequels as it has. And probably, I, I mean, I've loved all the sequels except for uh, five. I think Rocky five was the worst one to me. And, but even when they came back with Rocky Balboa, it was kind of weird. It was good though. He had some good parts in it. And then they continued with Creed. And Creed was an amazing movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It was an awesome film. Brad is a huge Michael B. Jordan fan. So so you should know that ahead of time. I think they're coming out with a second one, too. Yeah, and it's it's just like, okay, well, you can keep on going with this franchise because I want to keep watching. Like, and Rocky Two. And like knocked it out of the park, park where you can uh, piss lightning and crap thunder. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just brought in Ivan, or they brought in Mr. T in the third, and then Ivan Vanko in the fourth. Which was right there, like finishing up the Cold War. Yeah, the time, so and like, Ivan Vanko, that was like the fourth one was almost my, I almost, that was almost my first. If I didn't have Rocky in here, I would have Rocky Four because that whole story that they had with that, they even had, who was it? Um, not James Taylor. It's uh, what's the guy that's saying? Not James. Why would I even say James Taylor? <laughs> I, don't know. I know what you're saying. I'm Living just... in America. Living in America. I don't know. I know this. I know what you're talking about. But, yeah. The Rick James. Was oh yeah. It? Yeah. They even had him. Yeah. And uh, was it Rick James? It wasn't Rick James. I don't remember. James Brown. James Brown. 
Brown. Let's look it up. James Brown. Well, I say my fourth. So my fourth movie, is Dark Knight. Yes. Um, I like. I think it's important that you have some type of reason behind it. For me, it's twofold. First of all, Heath Ledger was amazing. And yes. Um, I also like. I think I like Gotham for anybody that films it right because it's. I like their interpretation. But um, I like how it's dark and dreary. I like how it's shot in different mm-hmm. ways. Um, so yeah, I love the dark, dark night. I love all three of them movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman Begins, and eh, but the Dark Knight Returns mm-hmm. again was yeah. amazing. I think the Dark Knight was the best of the three. Yeah, and the Dark Knight uh, it blew me away. Um, it completely gave you a new look at the Joker and a new look at what Batman can be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Batman begins did a great job at that too, but I feel like people kind of forgot about it after the dark Knight came out. Yeah. They were just like, that's Batman. Well, <laughs> Batman begins brings up something important because mm-hmm. I don't, I'm a big comic book guy. So I don't know. You guys know that Ben Affleck's Batman right now. Batfleck, <laughs> yeah, and he kind of wants to get out, right? At least that's what I've heard. He, and he's, yeah. So I figure out how he gets out, right? So the important part is, so we know Riles is in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about Batman? You know that there's uh, the Lazarus Pit. So what I think you do is you kill Ben Affleck this episode or this movie, yeah, because you can kill him, and then you just drop him in the Lazarus Pit. And while my one friend Casey Stutzman says, well, and technically Ben Affleck will come back, I just say there is some precedence in the comics that Batman kind of gets, whoever you throw in there, they come back as a younger self. Uh-huh. So then you could bring in a new actor for Batman, somebody okay. younger. They could do that, or they could bring in a Nightwing. Yeah. I mean, they, what happened to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, at the end of Dark Knight Rises? Yeah. They just... And with that giving you something that you're like just supposed to hold on to nothing, I'm holding on to nothing over here. Give me all of that ending. <laughs> it is an amazing ending, and it does open it up for: Is he going to be Robin? Is he going to take over Batman or like that? So could they live in the same universe? What does uh, the Dark Knight live in the same universe as the Justice League and Batfleck? Do they? I don't know. I think. But it gives Ben Affleck an out, is the way I was looking at it. Yeah. Like, a, a legitimate lineage where I think it keeps fans happy, keeps Ben happy. It gives the the movie industry lots of open, you know, it opens it up where they can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Do you figure out who that song was? It was James Brown. All right, good. So now we can put that to rest. <laughs> now we're in the top three. Getting serious. All right. Well, I'm serious. Number three for me was Boogie Nights. Well, Thomas Ooh. Anderson. That was almost one of mine. I had it, didn't have it on my list until you said when you're talking about your drone shot, Boogie Nights. <laughs> oh crap! I gotta add that to my list. Yeah, it, so I moved into number three over Almost Famous, which left the list. <laughs> wow, but Boogie Nights about the porn industry. The only thing I really liked about Boogie Nights was Mark Wahlberg singing a Transformer song. I know. I, <laughs> So, I mean, that's what I can't get past ever. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> it really is. Mm-hmm. song from the Transformers. <laughs> There's a song in a movie about the porn industry. <laughs> Two total opposite realms here, but yep. you got the touch. You got the touch. <laughs> number, number three. Number three for me would be, what was it? Let me see. Brick. Brick is a film with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's one of his first uh, films. It was an independent, and it was actually taken... The script was actually taken from an old detective. uh, I think it was like a radio show. And they took the script and developed it into a, uh, this short film about these high school kids. And so they gave this high school kid a detective-esque uh, kind of character. And then everyone else, they talk just like they're detectives, but they are in high school. <laughs> and it's based, based in the 90s. And this character, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, he's this detective that 
um, well, he's this kid that uh, his ex-girlfriend, he finds her murdered and he's trying to find out what happened to her. And it has to do with a brick of heroin and something else. And he starts unraveling this and the whole just visual, um, the visual experience that they put in this, the set design that they do into it and like the jokes that they put into it. I mean, it's funny to me to watch because it's like, they're acting like they're detectives, but they're definitely just kids. Like he's yelling at his principal, like his principal's his commissioner. <laughs> and stuff. He's like, God damn it, I can't take this and stuff. And it's just like, why is it, this is just a weird kind of thought process? But then they take it, this, uh, the cinematographer for it was amazing. Everything was just so blue. And they had this like color uh, palette to it that you could definitely tell they really thought about how they wanted to convey the, mo the emotion through the shots that they were doing and also the colors and how the colors matched for each type of emotion that they wanted to convey. Um, they used a lot of blue in it. There was a lot of uh, the girl wore, wore a bunch of blue um, things and uh, there was like cigarettes with like a blue... Uh, and just like arrow on the side of it and everything gave some kind of clues. And it just reminded me of this. Uh, and the, it kind of like the, if you watch, what is it? Um, Sixth Sense, they use a lot of red in it mm -hmm. and for like death. And, uh, and it just gave me that kind of feel like I, I, as a cinematographer, I always look for stuff like that. I only know, know Brick because of Reed Johnson's first movie. Mm -hmm. Yes, so and you see, he did Looper, and then I forgot what was his last film that he came out with. I can't think of it. Uh, but Looper was uh, a trip in itself. That movie had Joseph Gordon-Levitt again, <laughs> and then Bruce Willis, and they were playing the same character except in different uh, like modes and time and everything. It was very interesting, very weird. Some people did not like that because <laughs> the ending. <laughs> Number three for me is Empire Strikes Back. Yes. And the Great reason one. I chose it is because it probably has the greatest bad guy of all time. So, but Luke, I am your father moment mm -hmm. probably is one of the biggest moments in all movies. So, um, I think everyone knows it. So, mm -hmm. um, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite out of all the Star Wars yes. movies. I just feel like it's such a well-rounded <clears throat> story. And, I mean, you already have the characters in place, so people already knew who these characters were and they really wanted to see what would happen next. And coming out with that Darth Vader was Luke's father was, I mean, I grew up with Star Wars, so I guess it was just normal to me. Because yeah. <laughs> I was probably too young to even like know that it was that kind of thing when I first watched it. But then when I rewatched it, it's like I already knew that Darth Vader was his father. I think... When I was young, they were coming out with the the episode one through three, yeah. so I was into that too. Sadly, <laughs> yeah, I think Brandon and I've had this discussion a little bit about the episode eight. For me, I loved episode seven, mm. and then when episode eight came out, episode seven felt so much like episode four that I, I made the assumption my fault. I know it's my fault that I assumed that it was going to follow the same arc as the rest of them as the previous mm -hmm. so i expected episode eight to be just like empire mm -hmm. and when i walked out of that i when i sat down on that chair i was like yes this is it this is going to be the movie of my life mm -hmm. because it's all the technology and we're gonna get that great climax and it's gonna be like yes oh my god and i walked out of there and i was like you sons of guns you didn't give me the payoff that i wanted Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to get it. I don't know if we'll get it in this last one or not, which is up to debate. So. Yeah, I don't know. It, so I, when I saw it, I felt the same way. Um, and then I went and saw it again. And it, for one thing that it turned me off was Leia's force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> but then uh, when I rewatched the film and Forgiving the Force, um, it was a good structured story. Yeah. And I mean, but it was nothing that anybody was really expecting. Yeah, that's, that's true. And like I said, it was my own fault. I walked in there with the, I mean, a super high expectation. I 
just was expecting the greatest move of my life. Mm-hmm. Which is okay, though. I mean, that's my fault. Mm-hmm. Number two. <laughs> I just want to say, I was yeah. fine with Leia's Force. You were fine with Leia's Force? <laughs> She's a Skywalker. So. Anakin's daughter. So? You knew she had it in Return of the Jedi. Here's my problem with She didn't that. have it when she kissed Luke. My problem with that scene was is I thought it would have been a great but way. But she had it at the end of Return of the Jedi. Because when her and Han were talking on the Ewok planet, Han's like, Luke's, are, Luke's made it. I know he made it. She's like, I know he has. Because she could feel him. Uh-huh. She's well, that could just be a the, twin thing, She though. had the first the whole time. That could be a twin thing. Yeah, but she that's... had it the whole time. Allison wraps her head, and then Aaron feels it six states away. That's just a twin thing. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, so I understand. Have the force. I, they, maybe they do have the force. Um, I was disappointed that they didn't figure out a way to kind of nip Leia in the bud, so to speak. So now, well, I know, thought that's what they were going to yeah. do when they shot her off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what you're going to do now. I, just, <laughs> a, I mean, that alone will make me go to the next movie and figure out how they tie that. Yeah, up. I'm wondering <laughs> what they're going to do. Yeah. They're just going to general Tarkin the whole thing. I <laughs> might. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, two, two. Goodfellas. Mm. I'm a big mob guy. We got that out in the first episode. Yes. I think this is probably the best mob movie made. Just my opinion. I mean, it's probably it's Martin Scorsese's best film too. And this is what he should have won the Oscar for, but. What are you going to do? Dances with Wolves happens. <laughs> God damn it, Dances with Wolves. <laughs> anyway. Kevin Costner pissing out of campsite all over the place. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the acting, the directing, the storytelling in this movie is just... The thing I always remember about Goodfellas, and I'm going to date myself for you two guys, is that it was on two VHS cassettes. Oh, really? I had no what idea. about it? So I always remember that man, this movie takes two cassettes. Holy cow, this son of a gun is that long. I thought it's... only the Titanic was on two VHS tapes. <laughs> oh, Scarface was on two too. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, so but that's what I remember. But I mean, yeah. I love Goodfellas. Goodfellas is one of my favorite uh, mod movies. Uh, it's just Scorsese does such a good job. And like before <clears throat> that, when he did. Uh, a taxi driver, he was just in his mode. And then bringing all of these uh, these great actors together, it was just really, it's really cool to, to watch. And and I'm really excited because Scorsese is actually making a new film called The Irishman. Yeah. And that's like a hundred million dollar, basically. <laughs> all of the guys from Goodfellas are going to be in it. And it's a new film. So I'm excited to see what he comes up with. Number two. Uh, number two for me would be, what's mine? I think it's uh, Drive. Drive is by uh, directed by Nicholas Weffing, or Reffing, Weffing, something like that. I don't know how to say his last name. But um, he directed Drive, and it's got Ryan Gosling. And he plays a stunt car driver by day. And uh, getaway driver by night. And he named. He's called driver. Yeah, he's just called the driver. He doesn't really even have a name. He doesn't tell his name. He hardly talks in the whole movie. It's very uh, like film, almost film noirish kind of looking, except very colorful neon. Well, yeah, it's uh, colorful, all right, because of that bathroom scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just like holy cow. It's really colorful. Yeah. When she had her head blown off by that shotgun, you're just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, that changes the whole tone for it. Yeah, and everything. The whole the whole starting of the film's like this. Okay, it, it starts out with him, and you're kind of just like figuring out who he is, and you start out with him doing the job that is a getaway driver. So it starts out with his worst job, and then it goes into his later job, which he's like a stunt car driver for films. As well, and he works at an auto body shop where this guy that gets him both of those jobs he works for. <laughs> yeah. 
which is just and he's just okay with it but he like falls in love with this girl that lives next to him and uh her husband comes out of prison and uh, this guy is gonna get like whacked by these guys and he he basically helps her husband out and in doing that her husband gets taken out by the, his own people and so the driver has to basically uh figure out you know what what is he there in this situation for and and he he's been built to be a fighter to be someone that uh is in this underground world of uh crime <laughs> and so he decides that he's going to protect this girl and her her son and the what they do throughout the film through the uh, cinematography and there's one part in the in the um elevator that it's one of my favorite parts um he's in the elevator and he just uh killed is one of the bad guys and he knew that they're they know who he who he is and who she is and he wants to go and talk to her and he doesn't talk that much in the entire movie and so he's just getting ready to talk to her and he's like i need to talk to you and can you come with me so they go out and they get into the elevator and there's another guy in the elevator that waits for them to come into the elevator and then it starts going down the guy was going up. So obviously he's waiting for him. <laughs> so he realizes that in the elevator. And, you know, all he really wanted to say to her was that he loved her and that he was there to help her. And so what he did was he like that. And they did this in through just showing you. And uh, one of my cinematography teachers uh, told me, they said, narration is just being lazy. Um, if you can't show the emotion through filming and through the acting, then you're, you're not doing a good job. And <laughs> that's this drive film kind of just like took me away because it has no narration in it at all. And then the scene, the lights dim and only one light comes on to him and her and everything kind of slows down and the camera actually pushes in and he uh, grabs her hand and gives her a kiss. And then after this moment that they have, he like instantly grabs the guy and just like beats the living hell out of the guy in the thing. She doesn't even know who this guy is standing next to him. And he starts curb stomping the guy and literally crushes his skull in front of her. And then, and then he's just standing there and he's like, you know, she actually sees him for who he is. And, and he showed, he showed her who he was too. And both the good and the bad. And at that point, she actually ran away. <laughs> Which, I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> Number two for me. Man, you can see my list. I can. So you already know it's going to be The Godfather. Which, now you can see what my number one movie is. I knew it. Yeah. So anyways, Godfather, <laughs> I don't think it's a surprise. It's like, it's not a surprise. It's AFI's number two movie of all time. So, mm -hmm. um, right behind Citizen Kane. So I don't think I have to really get into it. Because everybody knows it's good. The question, the real Godfather question is, is, is Godfather 2 better than Godfather 1? Yes. Yes. Wow. But I think they're just one movie separating the two because they're from the same book. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. I just always think that's the real question because that's the one you can really get a debate on. I think Godfather 2 is superior. Yeah. I don't, they're both really good. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you're splitting hairs. All right. Your number one movie, Brad, of all time. It's Beetlejuice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Top Gun either. My number one is Pulp Fiction. Ooh. Quentin Tarantino. We talked about this earlier today. I mean, that's a great, great pick. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a spectacular movie. Just the way he told the story, breaking it up into four sections, pretty much. And then just, I mean, it's out of order, but you got to put it together in your head, like mm -hmm. what's going on here? How are they doing this and that? And that movie created a verb, Tarantinoing it, so that lets you know, like that's actually a verb now. So yeah. you know, <laughs> and it brought John Travolta back. It, yeah, kind of did. You're right. It was he was in the dumps, and this just brought him back. Phenomenon, really, his him, career. Yeah, gave him an Oscar nomination, but. I think the start of the movie was Samuel Jackson, just his speeches and his little spiel in the cafe. Mm -hmm. It was just it was a phenomenal movie for me. 
Number one, Zach. Number one for me is The Thing. And that is by John Carpenter. And it stars uh, Kurt Russell. He's a uh, helicopter pilot for a uh, team, U.S. team in Antarctica. That uh, they find a dog and that is getting chased by another uh, like research team from Norway and being shot at and they accidentally shoot at their own the u.s people and so basically they go to this uh russian base and it was destroyed and they find this that the russians have uncovered a ufo in the middle of antarctica and something has gotten out of that ufo and basically it's like this parasite that takes over uh a person's body and turns into them or dissolves their body and turns into them and hides amongst the group as that person and only reveals itself to uh, you if you're alone with it, where it can devour you and everything. So it's a really mind game. And it's it was just a really cool film that they did in the midst of the winter that I just it has the most amazing practical effects. I think it had the same effects guy that did uh american werewolf in london and they just john carpenter did an amazing job with this he he spent a year just doing the sound design for it and not a lot of people know this but john carpenter he did uh halloween and a bunch of other the fog and all of the movies that he did he he sound designed all of his and and he was the producer of making all the music for his films and he actually goes around and tours and you can go see him live in concert and he's got like a couple albums out and one of them is called lost themes so it's like a bunch of themes that he came <laughs> up with and that he never used for any movies and it's just really cool to, to hear and uh to see uh someone thriving that's uh he doesn't just thrive in one craft he's multi-talented i think the crazy thing about that movie was is it flopped at the theater mm -hmm. and then it didn't really gain traction until it came out on video yeah that's true yeah and that's then it true. just became this whole like cult following where it was like oh my gosh and then it was it was almost so far ahead of his time that when it came out on movie or you know to the big screen it was almost like let everyone by the time it came out to view everybody's like oh my gosh this mm -hmm. thing he was just so far ahead of it than the rest of everyone else. He was. Yeah. His whole direction uh, and like his use of practical effects and, and the way he, uh, he lit everything. It was just so realistic. Like, I mean, it brought me into the story and it didn't take me out of it. Some movies like those B movies with practical effects. I watch them because it's hilarious to watch those. Yeah. But this movie is like, um, it's just stimulating to the mind. Yeah. My number one movie, Kill Bill, the whole thing. But if I know you probably want me to pick one, so I already yes. So I did. Because I knew you were going to ask me that. So um, I picked volume one. And while volume two made me go, oh my gosh, volume one still. And I, I put it on there just because there's so many. That movie touched so many odes to different things. Mm hmm. And that's why I liked it. I don't necessarily, I mean, the story is great, but there's anime, there's kung fu, you know, there's that spaghetti western feel. And then it's just, there's all those different things. And then, of course, as I was reading a little bit about it the other day, Quentin Tarantino said just what we were talking about earlier. He said, well, you need to go figure out how they would have done this effect back in the 70s and 80s. We don't want to take the easy way out. How would they have shot this? Mm -hmm. How would they have gotten creative to create this effect yeah. back then? And yeah. that's why, you know, that movie works so well. It me. is. And I feel like that's why a lot of Tarantino's movies work is he, he films the films. Like if it's a, if it's a Western, like we were talking about with uh, um, the hateful eight, he films it, how it would have been filmed in that genre when that genre was big and how they would have filmed that. And so he's going to use the, like he uses film cameras. He's going to use those cameras. He's going to use the, some of the same equipment and stuff. And he's not going to um, use the cheats that they use today to, to do this or the different kind of CGI that they use as well. So that's our five that's live.
Um, we no one chose Citizen King, no, which no. is trash. I remember one time I wanted to punch myself. You surprised? I did. You did it. I didn't get a Top Gun out of you. <laughs> this was my top movie. Um, it was my favorite movies. Yeah, surprised myself. I didn't get a Kevin Smith movie in there. That really surprised me because I like Kevin Smith a lot, but nothing. And then uh, I really don't know your film taste enough to know if I was surprised by anything that you didn't have. I knew that I, you, as I said earlier, you gave me exactly what I wanted. I knew figure you were very cult classic movie. Uh. Um, so I was expecting some movies like you had. Um, <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors, I was not surprised at all about. I was surprised maybe like Office Space. Okay. Because you know, that's like a kind yeah. of a cult underground movie. Yeah, it so is. So those movies that um, I always consider them, they're like mer- movie nerd movies. Like they are. People that really watch a lot of movies and pay attention to movies, <laughs> yeah. they have a different appreciation of movies. They are. I think I was like uh, six when my dad showed me Tommy <laughs> by The Who. Yeah. And then uh, I, he also showed me like uh, – it was a Rocky Horror Picture Show. So I, I started out watching cult films. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's funny. My daughter told me she goes on to school and she said something like, um, she used the dodgeball phrase. And so I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, she's like you mean you, do, you didn't grow up watching dodgeball? That's how I grew up watching dodgeball. And I was like. She didn't grow up. No one grew up watching dodgeball? <laughs> yeah, it was like, it's just funny that she talked about it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love dodgeball. <laughs> So that wraps it up for here tonight. Yeah, long episode. Long episode. We had a lot to talk about. And they knew Zach would be good. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, Check out his Michigan Micro Adventures at Facebook and the website. Uh, MichiganMicroAdventures.com and uh, MichiganBasementTapes.com. Awesome. Um, Next week, you got our buddy Matt coming up. Matt Mashinsky. Matt Mashinsky. We're going to talk about some cool stuff with Matt. I've been, as you guys know very well, Matt and all three of us know Matt really well, or two of us, three of us know each other well. So it could be very complex, but I've worked hard at narrowing our field down so we don't have this big-ass tangent the whole time. Um, We do, while we're here, need to send a shout-out to Henry and Owen, Matt's kids, who are actually probably our favorite fans and our listeners. So um, I appreciate the ones. And they'll like the shout-out. Also, um, don't forget that we have a Facebook page. I take it from the kitchen, and then of course our email. I take from the kitchen at gmail.com. So um, answer uh, or send us questions if you have anything for us. Like why doesn't Brett talk more? Which hopefully we'll get there. I'll work on it. And um, I don't know anything else. Don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast. I don't know if you can actually do it yet. I, I did it on iTunes. Okay, so then that's it awesome. Even gave us five stars. I like it. Self promotion. Like yes. Awesome. Didn't, didn't review us. I just read it. Well, you guys have a great week, and then uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you.